Hotel on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. It's already time for our monthly get-together with Steve Lang from Rochester Magazine. Hey, Steve. How's it going? It's going. It's Friday, so it's going. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> Any big plans for the weekend? Or? Uh, not really. No, I hope not. Right. I'm okay. at that stage of life where I hope I don't have big plans for the weekend. Yeah, I hear you. We do have, uh, I don't know if I'm letting the cat out of the bag here or not, but I've got two weddings. Both of my kids wow. are getting married this summer and this fall. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> I get to be the dad and sit back and go, whatever. I know I just got to write the check. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, time flies, that's for sure. But uh, we didn't get a chance to get together last month. So we got some catching up to do. But your latest edition of Rochester Magazine features an interview with a fairly high profile resident of the city of Rochester. It's pretty cool that you got into Michael York's apartment and got to talk to him. So, this is a guy that. People would know whether you recognize the name or not. He was Logan and Logan's Run. He was Basil Exposition in Austin Powers. Yeah. He's a famous um, British actor, certainly on the stage side of things and, and had his own share of uh, films like Cabaret and uh, just a, a number of things that you definitely recognize him from. And, and, Really one of those cool stories, Andy, the kind of thing you love as well. This is a guy who had a $7 million home overlooking the Sunset Strip and in Los Angeles and, you know, multi-million dollar art collection and sold everything basically in order to focus on a condition he has called amyloidosis, which is something he wanted to be treated for at Mayo Clinic. And, you know, I got, I've got an ex-person, him and his wife, Pat, who's a well-respected photographer in her own right. But, you know, this is a guy who has had all of that as the French chef. I mean, he he lived with the Aga Khan for a month. He, you know, lunched with Princess Grace. He called Laurence Olivier Larry. And, and you know, I asked him what he misses about all that stuff. And he's like, nothing. I've never really gotten to spend time in this part of the country before. We got to go to the Mississippi River and there's eagles flying overhead. And we got to go to Lanesboro. You know, it's just... Uh, it was a really cool take on what's important in life. So did he really say hi to Tom Wallstrom, or did you just make that up? He said hi. He said, happy birthday, Tom. When we were, <laughs> so I'm waiting in the lobby at Charter House. We moved to Charter House, right, walking distance to Mayo Clinic. Um, you know, really cool community for healthy aging. And I'm waiting in the lobby, and I see the guy walk down, and clearly I recognize he's got a very distinctive and very cool voice as well. But he walks down, and he says, happy birthday, Tom. And they're wearing masks you do in the lobby of the church. Yeah, you do. And so then he walks up to me, and Tom leaves. And I said, wait, was that Tom Ostrom? And he says, yeah, that was Tom Ostrom. It's his birthday today. <laughs> I thought, oh, I know Tom. I didn't know he lived here, and I didn't recognize him with a mask on right away. So. Uh. <laughs> no, just, uh, you know, that kind of person. He's walking through the the halls of Charter House calling the, the workers by name and, and calling out, uh, you know, the tenants by name and, and just has really has really embraced living in Rochester, Minnesota for a guy who has lived in, you know, Monaco and uh, all over the world and spent time traveling the world and, you know, living the highest life you can imagine and, and just a guy who 
who really appreciates what he has here and really seems to like it. And so we've been together since then. You know, it's been just one of those get-together-for-coffee type things. So um, a really, really sincerely nice guy. I really enjoyed that when you tried to be a smart aleck and throw a little sarcasm in there and <laughs> say something, he would respond, oh, that just sounds lovely. He's very and he's very sharp. He's eighty years old. He's you know super sharp guy, really funny, and also very much um, of the you know dapper debonair um, uh, mold, which he's always been kind of you know typecast in as well. But he very much lives that in real life. And he uh, he's obviously embraced the community because when you ask him about restaurants, he just names them off. And local attractions. He went to Winona and saw the Maritime Art Museum, which is a gem. If people haven't been over there, and, and to have a real art aficionado uh, go there and sing its praises is probably a pretty cool thing. This is a guy who has owned Renoir and Picasso's. He outbid Cary Grant, which is the biggest name-dropping sentence I'll use. But Michael York outbid Cary Grant on a David Hockney painting. So you know, this is a guy who really understands art. Actually, his art collection is was just up for auction at, I think, Christie's or Sotheby. And then there's another site in L.A. where they're just selling off his estate. And you can actually go through and all the unbelievable stuff they own. You know, like a, he voiced four characters in The Simpsons. So he's got like a Simpsons jacket with all the with all the uh, tags they give him on there. That you know the the just all kinds of you know a table from from some unbelievable craftsperson in South Africa. I mean, just uh, just really cool. But, yeah, the, the embracing things has been phenomenal. And since we met the first time, and, you know, I have a pretty decent handle on the travel in the area and, and restaurants because of our best restaurants issue. So they've reached out to me a number of times about, hey, where's the best, you know, Indian food? We want to go to a good Indian restaurant. So it's just been really cool to see them, you know, get really excited about something that, you know, might be other people in his position wouldn't be as excited to be here. Yeah, and uh, he, of course, very same, very famous for his acting roles, but his wife is also renowned as a photographer. So they're a She's, real power couple. She was renowned as a celebrity photographer. That's how they met. She was on an assignment for Glamour or Vogue or a combination of those two and met Michael at a photo shoot. She was actually at that time engaged to, S, to Cy Newhouse, who's a billionaire um, publisher at the time. And they had, you know, it wasn't really set in stone, but anyway, she'd met Michael and, and they fell in love. But she was a, a well-known and is a well-known celebrity photographer and then really turned her attention to art photography later on in her life and really has excelled with that as well. She does a lot of, um, you know, really cool portraits of, she did a whole series of uh, people naked doing their job. And it's just this really, you know, funny, cool, artsy book of photography. And then she did one on cadavers where she got access to cadavers in different stages of dissection and photographed them. And, you know, she gets big reviews in places like the New York Times. Wow. And I, he had a really funny story about, to me, he's, from just for me, best known in Logan's Run. I just really remember him uh, for that role specifically. And he told a funny story to you about how he ended up doing that movie. I really like that. So he's a guy for one that has 
he's probably in some sense done himself a disservice in the fact that he didn't just focus on mega star that he probably could have been right but he also loved the fact that he took on all these roles so things that other people wouldn't take he's like I, I never turned on a role I could actually take it was fun doing it so Simpsons voices Gilmore girls this guy's been on everything you definitely recognize him from something and Logan's run was a good example but he was working as a at a theater in Los Angeles he got the script and his chauffeur um, he had become friends with his chauffeur and and the kid was like, hey, can I just read the script that you just turned down? Because he and Michael were talking in the car and he read it and Michael said he got back in the car and the guy was wagging his finger at him saying, you have to take this. You don't understand. This is going to be a hit. And so Michael's like, okay, I took the advice of my chauffeur and, and took the lead in this. You know, it seemed like a little bit of a campy sci-fi movie at the time and became a bit of a cult classic. <laughs> and I'm no celebrity guy, right? I don't, celebrity people don't resonate with me like they maybe do with others. But I saw Logan's run in the theater when I was a kid. So for me to meet Michael York, I'm like, wow, you know, this is something that, that really takes me back to being that you know, that ten year old kid wide eyed in the theater. I I really enjoyed it because he um he just seems like a great guy. You ask him about regrets and he's like, I don't have time for those. You know, they don't do anything good for me. And again, like I said, I was not trying to fish. I was just like, look, you've had a, a live-in French chef. You have, you know, again, his home was, what you know, his car collection, his home, his art collection was, you know, something we can't fathom. And so when I asked him what he missed most, I thought he would say something, you know, about what he missed from that lifestyle. And he was clearly no interest in looking back on that. He only had interest in looking ahead to what he's doing now. It's like, it's like we've never gotten to really visit this part of the country. How awesome is it I get to live here and it's a good home base for all these, you know, they like the, the Minneapolis Institute of Art. They're taking a cruise on the Great Lakes starting in Toronto in July or June. And, and so to hear someone who could have a lot of regrets for the stuff he no longer owns, especially physical stuff, you know, was... It was just really cool and really laid back. And he's got his new friends here. He's got the people he's walking through and talking to at the clinic, and they've got some friends who go out to dinner with here. So, you know, just just a really cool way to look at life. Yeah, it is. He even went to the Spam Museum. So that's, he went to that's the about as southern Minnesota as you can get. He said then he sent postcards back to all of his, uh, you know, his friends from Oxford. <laughs> like, here's what I'm doing. I'm visiting the Spam Museum because, again, a guy who's really, you know, well-read, well-written. He's written five books. He, you know, had a had a pretty substantial education degree and before he got into acting. So just a, a super interesting guy with a really positive outlook on life. And, you know, it's one of those stories where you leave the first time and you're like, wow, this is a couple who is very sincere and really is just trying to find the best in whatever situation they're in. I mean, he has a pretty a pretty tough uh, condition he's fighting yeah. right now, but to, to come out here and decide to live at Charter House and be able to walk to the clinic, and, you know, he's like, it reminds me of my university days, all these brilliant people in one area here. So just a guy that I really, really clicked with, and, and uh, we're hoping to get together again fairly soon. So well, that's, that's awesome. And I, the cartoon bubble I got in my head when you were describing him writing to his old buddies about going to the Spam Museum is that the response would be, oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, 
you know, and he was, he was, I think at one point he was voted like most likely to run a charm school when he was a kid, like when he was 18 or something. And he very much has that, that uh, way about him where it's very gracious, very positive. I mean, you know, he met me for the first time and it acted like, you know, we were meeting old friends. And one cool thing is I've gotten a chance to go back and watch some of his, um, some of his older movies that I wasn't familiar with. And it's just been really cool seeing some of these you know, classic British movies from the 60s and 70s. Well, I got to put this out there as well. You have some great photos with this story. Um, and his, so his wife is a photographer, right? So she shot some of these photos, including the photo of him on the Logan's Run set, which is, I mean, how cool is that, that his wife shot one of the iconic pictures of him on the Logan's Run set. And then, you know, he was a guy who, you know, back in the day, certainly had his share of, you know, paparazzi. So there was a lot of people following, you know, Michael York, who was certainly the hot young actor in the late 60s. A really good article. Uh, Steve Lang with Rochester Magazine with us this morning, and we will continue with more of Rochester today in a moment on News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. It's Hy-Vee's Super Snack Sale this Friday through Sunday. Freedom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Uh, Steve, in the latest edition, you picked out some people and recognized them for being... Great restaurant promoters in Rochester, and was it? This is the first time you've done this, right? It is. So this was in one of our categories for the best restaurants ballot in November, and you know then we spin out some of those winners and the bigger stories for the rest of the year. And this one was one that we really got a lot of cool response from. It was just the question was just that: what are who are Rochester's best restaurant promoters? And Obviously, we have Natalie Victoria on the cover with a great, uh, great photo from Olive Juice Studios, but, uh, um, she was certainly one, you know, a lot of the usual suspects, Joe Powers, Pasquale Preza, um, but we also had a lot of people that do more restaurant work or promotion a little bit more, um, in an ancillary manner, which I thought was really cool. So people like Rosie Skipper, obviously Abe Sowers, the owner of Old Abe, um, coffee company, Jennifer Becker from Blue Duck, but you know, Sam Ochino, um, uh, Tiffany Alexandria from, uh, she's the founder of the night market and, uh, sure. She works at Choo Choo Kachoo, but it was just really cool because Jennifer Kotsky has a great interview with each of them where she just asks them questions about Rochester's restaurant scene and the amount of collaboration and compliments to other restaurants where people like Joe Powers are specifically calling out other restaurants in town that he really likes and appreciates. And Pasquale Preza is talking about um, Ichi Tokyo. I mean, it just really gives you a sense of how <laughs> intertwined the restaurant community is and how important they are to each other and how much they really want each other to succeed. I mean, to a person in every one of the interviews, without real prompting, people went out of their way to praise other people in the restaurant industry in Rochester. That's interesting because you think that at some point it might become cutthroat competition for, you know, seats and tables. But you're telling me it's exactly not that. And, you know, obviously the people that are voted here are people that do have that collaborative uh, bent to them. So um, it's a little bit jaded in that sense. But to a person... These uh, 
I think it's eight restaurant promoters that we highlighted here, the top eight vote getters from Rochester Magazine readers, were gushing about the rest of the restaurant industry and really focusing on making sure the entire industry rises as a whole, right, which is really important for us. And I believe the same thing. I think eating out locally uh, leads to eating out locally, right? The more local right. restaurants, my wife and I try, the more local restaurants we want to try. So I, I it was really, there were some really, I'm going to tell you the truth, there were some pretty moving moments in these Q&As from people talking about how important Rochester's restaurant industry was to them personally and professionally. Wow. And we're lucky to have it. There's a lot of communities where your choices are the big national chains, and that's it. We have the luxury to be able to – there's some gaps here and there. I know that now we're getting a Korean restaurant downtown. That'll be welcome. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know people who travel to St. Paul just to get Korean food. So the, they're going to love that. So, yeah, I, I, I certainly wish everybody success in these ventures. And I really believe that COVID – certainly affect a lot of business sectors, but nothing like the restaurant right. sector as far as them recognizing that they needed to um, to all be in this together and that all boats will rise. And that's really, I think, a catalyst to, to how this community came together. They realized they had to help each other out. That's always been the case, right? We've had some great uh, restaurant owner, owners here in the past. I mean, there's the, there's the phenomenal stories about you know, Phil Hennock back in the day with the sure. McDonald's franchises and starting the Ronald McDonald House, helping out the other restaurants in town when when the flood hit and vice versa. So, um, you know, we do have a long history of that, but it just feels like a new era of people recognizing that, you know, we can all help each other. And you see people like Stephen, I go to, you know, thesis, and you see Stephen Don Finney from Finney from Little Thistle there, and you know, you see people really helping each other out throughout the community. It's it's really pretty moving. Well, we're glad to have him here. That's for sure. My stomach is especially happy about it. So, continued sec- success to all of them. I hope. All right, we'll take a break for news. Come back more with Steve Lang of Rochester Magazine. On Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM with Steve Lang with Rochester Magazine. And Steve, you always know that your uh, look back in time or whatever you want to call it, your historical uh, articles on Rochester uh, are among my favorite you, did, you actually have two in there. i got to mention, you brought up the Rochester Renegade, the basketball team. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that brings back memories. <clears throat> my wife and I, we went to almost every one of those games when they were here. And even before that, when it was the Rochester Flyers. And, uh, yeah, that brought back some good memories just to see that mentioned. That was That is one of those stories that we've done a bigger piece on here and there, but it is worth a, a, you know, a book probably because it was the Continental Basketball Association, which you know, was one of those kind of hanging on leagues in all different iterations, and they had this team here for, what, a couple of years? And oh, yeah, and they brought in some. 93, 94, and had some pretty decent name players yes. from you know, and a coach, Bill Musselman, who was very well respected in the basketball community. Um, but, you know, just uh, we've seen it here with a lot of the minor league teams where sometimes it feels like it's a, 
a bit of a done deal before they even show up, or this yeah. is not going to succeed here. They've you know raised a bunch of money from financing that's you know going to be gone pretty quickly. And the Renegade were kind of the the perfect example of that for Rochester minor league teams. Yeah, it was a sad situation. They you know they started out with big crowds, and you're so optimistic, and then uh, yeah. Yeah, one bad season here, and then you do this and bring it back, and yeah, you can see the handwriting on the the walls when they were here. But it, they they put on um, they put on a great show. Let's put it that way. And those first, like you said, the first half of the first season, I think you know there were twenty five hundred people a game there, oh, yeah. or whatever it was. It looked like a blast. The photos look, you know, outstanding. There's packed house. There are mascots. There's you know, pretty high level basketball with some. It was. Games recognizable name players. So I'm always amazed we can't support something like that in the long term above and beyond. I guess, you know, the, the Grizzlies still do well. The Hunkers still do well. Yeah, too, but I think there is a larger market there, but I have no idea how to break into it. The town was even smaller in those days. Yeah, and, yeah right. And we actually had, it seemed to us that we had more uh, entertainment opportunities then than we do now. And there were players on that team that went on to be um, – Players in NBA championship teams, yeah, no, who it's are very a, it, prominent players. Uh, and it's a, it's always a really interesting mix of players from the CBA because there'll be a few ex superstars, you know, early forties, long past their prime. There'll be a few young yep. kids who either you know, skipped college or came right out of high school, and then there'll be a couple of the up and comers who you know maybe went to smaller schools and are trying to catch on, and, and inevitably they will make their way to the NBA. All right. The other uh, piece you had was about one of our former mayors, and more or less, it's almost an obituary. I think is what I'm looking at. It was an obituary, which was which was really cool for me because we found this obit from one of Rochester's early mayors, Joseph Wagoner, and they only had one year mayor stints back then. So there's Imagine a really that. interesting list of of mayors for Rochester's first you know 40 years or so. And he was 1897 to 1898, and I just love the way the obit was written. You know, very, um, uh, very respectful of a former mayor, but still trying to get as much uh, as much personality into it as possible. But um, just was a guy who was very well respected in the community, and even the other stories about him in, in his time uh, were were really respectful. And the beauty of the mayors in that era were they weren't politicians, right? These were people who were often the best and most important business people in town who really took on the job of mayor for a year. So you'll see, you know, a lot of recognizable names in those early years of people who just took their turn as a as a year as mayor. And it's you know, he was one of these guys, it's just really interesting that that they kind of took their turns leading the city for a year at a time. Well, I don't even know if you know the answer to this question, but the name and then on the obituary, he was in the piano and organ business. And I have seen many pianos that have the Wagoner name on them. I wonder if that is this Wagoner. I do not know that. I'll have to, yeah, I know. I'll have to look at that. I was that. interested in that when I read the obituary. But even beyond that, but he, he served in the Civil War. He was at the, uh, he was, what, he suffered a stroke? Or sunstroke during uh, the Battle of Shiloh, which is yeah, which is you know in and of itself a a, a 
I'm sure an unbelievable story because he was, you know, we had a number of obviously active Civil War participants from that era, and and he was one at one of the biggest battles in the in the Civil War. Yeah, uh, when you see this just in Casper Land in a obituary, you go, no, I want more. I want I want more to this story. I want to know everything about this. This is really interesting. And just a great photo too of the guy. It looks like a you know Ulysses S. Grant kind of portrait with the the sepia tone and the heavy shading, and it's uh, it's just really well done. So, you know, there's a there's a great history of the mayors from, like I said, those first 40 years, especially with the one-year stints of people just deciding to to yeah. serve the city. Um, it's it's a it's an impressive it's an impressive list of Rochesterites. And the other part that caught me about this was he served as an alderman, the mayor, postmaster, and member of the state insane board. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like I said, they're just the obituary itself just seemed to <laughs> to lead to so many stories in my mind that I probably got to pursue at some point. All right, uh, we're talking with Steve Lang with Rochester Magazine. We'll take a really quick break and return in a moment on News Talk thirteen forty KROC AM and ninety six nine FM. You want to feel important. You want to feel a part of something bigger. Something that matters and can help. Along with Steve Lang from Rochester Magazine on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I, uh, I got a good laugh with your 10 or so questions guy. Uh, Jason Trom and his collection of t-shirts. And uh, there are a lot of Troms in the area and I know a few of them and I, and uh, actually, this guy's personality matches up with the Troms that I know. So they must be related to some of them. Just a super interesting guy. And actually, it was funny because I had reached out to him like in 2019. I'd seen a story where he'd, I don't know what it was, gone to his 500th concert or some milestone as far as, you know, music goes. And so I reached out to him like on Facebook in 2019. And he responded like three years later, I mean, he finally emailed me because my Facebook post was like, hey, I really want to do a Q&A. You know, here's my email. And he responded. I'm like, who is this person? When did I ask him to do an interview? And I realized who it was. And so um, we met soon afterwards at Dunn Brothers and just a really interesting guy who, you know, had a band here back in the day. So we had a band in the, in the mid-90s called Contort. And they were, uh, you know, obviously a pretty heavy metal band. And he's a huge fan of the band Slayer. And he's seen them, you know, 20 plus times. And he has 600 Slayer t-shirts and a couple thousand. I know I have the number in here somewhere, but a couple thousand concert t-shirts overall, which, you know, seems impossible. It does. Where where would you store them? <laughs> so that was funny because he said before he got married, he had a giant, you know, rack of hangers in his basement. <laughs> And so we had, you know, just thousands of T-shirts hanging on hangers down in the basement. And then once he got married and had a kid, his wife was like, hey, we got to get these, you know, put somewhere else. So I think he put them in those, um, you know, the packaging where the vacuum pack stuff. So he's got them all stored away that way. But, uh, you know, it takes up a lot less space than hanging them on, on probably your entire basement. So I'm not a metalhead. You'll catch me listening to the Eagles or the Grateful Dead, but not metal. I'm listening... The, the bands he went to saw, I uh, went to see last year, uh, <laughs> saw autopsy, carcass, <laughs> obituary, cannibal corpse, and cattle decapitation. Those are all That's my favorite. the names cattle of bands. 
Cattle decapitation, my favorite. And, you know, it's a guy that really gets into it. And he said he always has. When he was a little kid, you'd appreciate this. His dad had a um, 1970 Nova, Chevy Nova, that he bought for a grand, brand new at Clements Chevrolet back in the day. And he would race that around drag shows around southern Minnesota. And so Jason would go with his dad. And he's like, you know, my parents listened to a lot of country music, didn't listen to a lot of metal. But when you go to the car shows and the drag racing shows, there were a lot of people, you know, jamming that heavy, you know, Zeppelin and all the stuff he never got to hear at home. And he said he was just absolutely taken by it. And that was as a young kid. So I think his Bamber Valley first grade picture from 1979, he's wearing a Kiss t-shirt, which is pretty awesome for a first grader. First grader. And he said he's just, he's lived that his whole life. And, and now he has a daughter, Phoenix. And, you know, he said she actually does like the Eagles and likes Wasp, but he said she loves, uh, Twisted Sister, so they, they, you know, when he's singing her songs at night, he's breaking out his old, you know, band vocals. And We're and not going to take it. I, we're not going to take it anymore by Twisted Sister. Twisted but sister. just a, a really interesting guy, super nice guy. I, you know, love the fact that he has, you know, 600 Slayer t-shirts seems, seems impossible, right? I mean, just 600 yeah. shirts of one band seems, that's got to be, it's got to be excessive. It's, there can't be too many people who can match that. And he did say there's a, you know, there's an online group of Slayer and other band shirt collectors that he runs into occasionally on, you know, buying from eBay or wherever else he's doing that. So. Send American pickers his way. See if they're interested in vintage Slayer t-shirts. I would um, love to see some of the other, you know, thousands of t-shirts he has. I'm sure there are just some unbelievable, cool, interesting, terrible designs. Well, you know, they are, um, they've become like a hot item. Vintage rock and roll t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. They sell for a lot more than what you paid for them if you actually kept them. So he might be sitting on a treasure. You never know. Especially with, with thousands of them. Yeah. But you're, uh, random Rochester, right? Not so random to myself. I, I know Alex probably wouldn't recognize me anymore, but he went to high school with my kid who was no longer a kid. And so that was kind of a nice article. I enjoyed it, especially when he brought up the Mankato versus Mayo football game that uh, Mayo pulled out that year and won. It was like a miracle game. It was fantastic. And you mentioned that as one of his better memories from high school. I thought that was pretty co- pretty cool. So Jennifer Kosky does these every month. She's the associate editor for Rochester Magazine and just does an amazing job because you know no one thinks they have any cool stories to tell, and she always finds cool stories. And this is a guy who's a senior product specialist at Subaru, and I think she was in there getting some work done in her car and ran into him and asked him if he wanted to be interviewed, and he agreed. And, yeah, there's just a lot of really a lot of really cool stuff about, um, you know, how much he plays video games. He's just traveling with his family, you know, going to Spain. Um, exactly. That, that homecoming game against Mankato, his senior year for Mankato, was, uh, was a really cool story. Yeah, and uh, eh, just you know, just a nice local kid who's doing well. I like those kind of stories. Now, moving on to your random Rochester, right? Rochester. Based your odd, what, right, yeah. <laughs> your bait and switch article, I'm going to call it. I just let these things take me where they go, Andy. <laughs> 
you have me laughing and chuckling out loud. And next thing you know, I'm getting teary-eyed over old Yeller. And I'm going, dang it all, Steve Lang. And it was, I honestly, I was sitting on the, in a chair in the living room. And my wife, and Lindy doesn't veto. She's only vetoed one column in the history of the columns, right? And is this one, she was reading at first, and she's like, she's like, oh, man, is this too much? I'm like, no, it's completely up to you. I will cut it if you want. But I'm sitting on the living room chair. And every night, Lindy moves our table out of the way, and she does this exercise routine called Walking with Leslie, which is just a woman walking on a video in place. There's a group of other people in various levels of walking exertion doctor. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like two steps sideways, two steps sideways, front, 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 front. You know, so it's just and, – and I just – I'm sitting there, and, and I'm kind of running the edge of her walking area. So every once in a while, she gets – or curiously close to me and, you know, doing some side kicks or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, man. But, and I'm sitting there kind of, you know, in my mind, like, oh, this is this really what I, you know, this isn't what I'd imagine. It's awesome, right? <laughs> but then I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is really, you know, funny and how Lindy does this. <laughs> As I'm doing that, I get up to get my, my jar of mixed nuts that I realize I get every single Landed about the same time when I'm home, and I'm just like, "Oh man, is this what we've fallen into?" I mean, my wife's doing walk with Leslie videos, and I'm I'm salivating, you know, subconsciously at 8 p.m. to go get my handful of mixed nuts. 8 p.m. time for the nuts. <laughs> it's like some. It's one of those things that if I wasn't really self-aware, I wouldn't even know I was doing on a regular basis, right? It was just like. I think the fact that I was writing about Lindy and then thought I better turn that on myself as I as I go pick up my giant jar of fancy mixed nuts from Costco to have my two handfuls that I have every single night. Well, um, the, the line that got me really laughing, though, was that you were, while she's doing this, pondering in your mind that, what, I, I hope she didn't buy this thing? <laughs> yeah, so, so she's got these videos, and it's like on YouTube, I think. But I'm just like, I hope she didn't buy this, but I better not <laughs> ask or say anything about it. But then I, then you're right, it took a turn. So I'm I go and get the mixed nuts that I have every night, and I'm eating them. And I had gotten to the bottom of one container, and they were all just the nuts I don't like, right? So there's a bunch of nuts. There's like six or eight different nuts, and let me mix these different ones in there. Anyway, and I got down to the bottom of the one jar, and there was just a, a layer of nuts that I didn't eat. And I was like, what's up with that? And I realized yeah. that at the end of Scout's life, my lab's life, she would come to me. And when I was eating the mixed nuts, and I would give her the nuts that were good for her that I didn't like, right? So I'd give her yeah, the nuts. You gave her, like. you actually gave her the good nuts out of the mixed nuts. <laughs> you gave her the cashews. The cashews are the best nuts in the bunch. I'm not a huge fan. I'm a big almond guy. But so, you know, I'd give her those, and I didn't like the other ones. So then at the end of the that one jar, and I realized, you know, we put Scout down in July, and was finally getting through this other, you know, 40-ounce jar. It was like two and a half pounds of mixed nuts I get on a regular basis. My wife buys me. And I get to the bottom of it, and and that's what's left. And I was like, oh, man, these are the nuts I would have been feeding Scout every night because she'd be drooling on my lap the second I opened the mixed nuts. So it was just this kind of, of you know, bittersweet memory of, of man, we, I didn't eat these because Scout and I split the jar every single night that I ate mixed nuts and Scout wasn't here to eat them anymore. So it's just one of those kind of, like I said, very bittersweet moments of 
of, uh, you know, missing a dog. And also taking stock of your life. <laughs> you know, there was something to that. I've always been very accepting of what we're doing, but I was just kind of laughing to myself, like, okay, when I was, if you were telling me when I was 24, <laughs> I think this probably was like a Friday or Saturday night, right? So if I told me when I was 24, that I'd be sitting in a chair eating my nightly mixed nuts while my wife is doing her nightly walking with Leslie video, I would have not believed you. So you'll you'll get a kick out of this. If you were to describe my father when I was growing up, it's you. He'd be sitting <laughs> in his recliner every night, and he had a bookshelf right next to him where he's watching whatever show he's watching with his little can of planter's mixed nuts. <laughs> Okay. Well, Steve Lang has officially become my father. And it was it was getting so bad, and the the salt concerns were so high for Lindy that she was secretly buying one package of unsalted mixed nuts and one of salted, and then mixing them together somehow in the kitchen and putting them back in the original containers that so looked like they were all salted. Oh, so God. it took me a while to catch on, but after a couple. Saltless almonds in a row. I was like, what the hell is going on here? So these don't taste the same. <laughs> yes. Somehow almonds, unsalted almonds. Yeah, I'm not an almond fan just for that very reason. No, so, I, I'm a big They have no guy. taste. Huh. Cashews, so the on the other cashews, hand, yeah. cashews are like, in the nut world, they're like crack cocaine. Really? Stop uh, eating them. And I do not like, um, actually, I think I put pistachios for me, but I don't like the pistachios, but the dogs, aren't supposed to have them, so I think I just threw those out anyway. So I'm not a pistachio fan. Now we're into the too much information stage of the yeah. story. So <laughs> right we, better, we better run. I'm out of time, too. So what's uh, what's the next month's edition? So next month is our annual golf guide. So all the local ah. golf um, top specials for 2023 will be in there. We also have one of my favorites. It's a look back at the best new restaurants for the year voted on by the readers. So we do a bigger spin-off of those, and there are some great ones. Um, I, I, every one of these is definitely worth checking out. All right, Steve Lang, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, Andy. And we'll talk to you next month. Steve Lang yeah, yes. with Rochester Magazine. Go pick one up, the latest edition. I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Martin Hoke, the inventor of Navage Nasal Care, and I love